I do not buy dreams. I sell them. gentlemen i have with me today I, I was trying to figure out the best build up in regards to this but i would say somebody who i continue to utilize as a barometer for my own development as a young entrepreneur yes uh, <laughs> but more importantly my sister yeah Teresa Porter, welcome to the show thank you very much about dang time i get on your this podcast is wild this is the first time you've been on I, it is you've had the other porter i have had the other the other half mm-hmm. better or worse i won't indicate but <laughs> yeah. i'll say that i've had the other half here. <laughs> but this is about you yeah that's the, unusual the, the, my, the Teresa behind my, my friend, friend Teresa, Teresa Studios, and your actually. real friend Teresa I know right yeah well first and foremost um enemies over empire yeah is a constant theme that I continue to refer back to with any stepping out of my comfort zone yeah. any initiative I think about implementing as I continue to develop but I got that from you yeah. And so as we go through, I mean, there's going to be a lot that we're going to try to tackle in, in so much time. But the theme of enemy over enemies over empire. Yeah. What has that meant to you as you've built your business? That's a good question. I think the I, f- I feel like it came from you can only focus on one thing. You can focus on your enemies, the people that want to detract from you, or you can focus on what you're building. And for us, you know, we have a photography and video studio and there's, there's a ton of competition. You, there's no licensing to be a photographer. There's no class. You pick up a camera, you call yourself a photographer, you're a photographer. And so you could get constantly bogged down and worrying about competition, not necessarily enemies, but competition or what might maybe people would say about you, but you really just have to focus on your own what you're building rather than what everybody else around you is doing. And I think that's been, that's set me free. It helps me not feel so concerned all the time because otherwise I would just worry all the time about other people. So where did did the idea of my friend Teresa Studios first originate? Oh, so I was definitely that mom that got the camera for Christmas. Actually, I wasn't a mom at the time, but got a camera for Christmas and loved it. And I had a, a good friend named Bomi at, at work. And Bomi was pregnant and then had just had her first baby. And I'd be like, oh, will you let me take pictures of um, Nicholas was his name. Will you let me take pictures of Nick? And hey, what year is this? This is, this is 20, 2009. Okay. So it wasn't even an official business. Like no money really exchanged hands. Maybe once or twice we she paid me as I got more advanced but um it was just fun and she said oh then she started telling people and they'd say oh you should call my friend Teresa and I was like oh kind of genius maybe we'll call it my friend Teresa because I felt like that really encompassed you know who I am I want to be everyone's friend and it, it worked perfect and then I felt like Teresa Porter photography it didn't I don't know I was uncomfortable with my own name well, as I, weird as that is. Well, my friend always implies more of a welcoming atmosphere. Yeah, it's exactly. More organic, it's more it felt more the relationship. true to who I was. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, 
was this a passion in regards to photography? What was... Yeah, I, you know, it's so... Because um, a camera's like a, not a gift you just give somebody in hopes that they it might It turns into it. something. Usually, yeah, that's a good point. So we had been on a, a family trip, and the guy, this my brother brought one of his best friends on the trip, mm-hmm. and he had a nice camera. And I think I spent more time looking at his camera gear than the scenery of where we were. And I was just like, wow, it was like you just get fixated on something. I don't know, you might have that. Like, What about it fascinated you? I I don't know, it just seemed like, I always felt like an artistic person, and if I could just have the right instrument, then I could do the rest. Right. So like, I can't paint, I can't draw, I can't, that hand to brain connection, it's just, this, it constantly feels blocked. Like I can right. see it, but I can't create it. But if you give me the camera, then almost mastering the instrument allows me to create it rather than just, you know, worrying about, I don't know, I'm like the person that can't set myself free. Like you give me a blank piece of paper and a bunch of markers and I'm just going to write my name, right? right? (laughs) Like I'm just going to write my name in some crazy cursive because I can't let it go. But I think the camera helps me like just let it go and, and enjoy the art a little bit better. Well, what I will say that I, one of the many things will, that I admire about you and in regards to, you know, photography is it it is absolutely an art. But what I love about it is you're helping uh, not only basically make a memento of one snapshot of somebody's life that will have this memory attached to it every time they look at this piece of art, but you're also in a way helping somebody with their expression. Because it's not just, okay, everybody pose and smile, but you're actually meeting people where they are and finding things that are passionate to them. I mean, there's been been dancers who come in and, and you find ways to you know, take their talent and magnify it, but also yeah. put a sheen on it that makes it really unique unto them. Thank you, yeah. Um, where did you start implementing these, I won't That's even say anecdotal yeah, know, like pieces the- to these individuals' personalities, but what is it about your talent that said, let me start implementing more of the people in these pictures. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's it's experience. So you get to a point where you don't have to worry about your ISO and your shutter speed and your aperture because you just know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're so when more things become the the camera becomes less of an obstacle and more of an extension of who you are, then you can use a different part of your brain. So I'm not worrying about the technical what's happening on my exposure meter because I just know it's right. Now I can worry more about the person and how they feel and what are they doing. And one of my favorite things to do on a session is try to watch the in-between moments so a girl will like laugh and look at her shoulder and I'm like oh my gosh that was amazing Mm -hmm. we're gonna do that again because it's something they do naturally and so it's a very um I find it's like a way to I've always been like a big big feelings kind of person Mm -hmm. like I love everyone and I just want everyone to feel good about themselves and I think photography has become an extension of me showing people how I love them, yeah. what I love about them, what I think is cool about them. And maybe we can't always say it with words, but we can be like, you know, I think we, well, we did your family portraits with your whole extended family right? and, and your wife, Bridget, one of my friends, her, her family. And so I don't necessarily know all the members of her family, but I know how important they are to her. Mm-hmm. And so I could do family portraits because I knew them because and I love them because they were important to Bridget. And so I think it's 
it's the same thing if you've if you're 18 years old and you've put the last 12 years of your life into dancing or swimming like you should have somebody help you celebrate it in a way that's not just an action photo of you diving i mean something that that shows it off a little more so i just think it's an extension of love like i don't know it was a social worker before right. i was a photographer so maybe that's what it is okay and now now take me through that in regards to your time as a social worker what a what initially drove you to that field i think it's that same big feelings like i just yeah. wanted everyone to feel loved and cared for and i've been that kid since i was like since i was a little kid yeah. i was that and i think that social work has a lot that's really heavy yeah. with it too. And yeah. so I was in grad school at Carolina studying for my master's of um, social work. Right. And I had started photography that same year with Bomi and her baby, nothing legitimate, yeah. no logo, no business cards. And my dad took me out to dinner one day and he said, you know, if you could live, I only ever hear you talk about photography, but you're in grad school. So if you could live a week as a photographer or a week as a social worker, which week would you want to repeat? Mm. And I said, well, as a photographer, but who the hell can make their living <laughs> as a photographer, which is funny to me now, but I didn't think that was realistic and I didn't think I was the person that could do it. And mm. he really encouraged me to actually drop out of graduate school, which if you know my parents are like super all about education. And I think that helped me understand he saw something in me that I couldn't, I couldn't yet see in myself or couldn't trust or believe. Yeah. Uh, but here we are 10 years later. And I was just about to say, in yeah. 10 years. 10 years. Now, whenever, I feel like whenever you've done anything for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and we won't get into the specifics of how much of a chunk of our life that's been. <laughs> it's but, a lot. <laughs> but for 10 years, you know, you've been helping people and you've been able to create these moments that will forever you know be captured and live on through time what have you seen change about the world in these 10 years wow. that you've been looking through this lens no pun intended right, right. um i think uh social media is definitely a big piece of it so 10 years ago you weren't doing sessions just to have something to put on mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram. So I think that's kind of changed it because we have great cameras in our pockets all the time. Mm -hmm. um, most of my photographs are taken personally with my phone. It's not like I carry around my big camera all the time. So I think in 10 years that's changed a lot. The equipment that we carry with us all the time mm -hmm. um, and the ability for everybody to have great photographs of their family just because they have the camera in their pocket. Um, and I think that's wonderful. I'm actually a big advocate of people taking photographs of their family all the time. It doesn't have to be professional. But I think from the professional side of it, what is it's forced us to do is elevate what we do. Because I can't ever create something that you could have done with your iPhone. Because then what the heck are you investing in? Right. Where's the value in that? So what I can do is get to know people and understand who they are and love them for who they are and find right. a way to put it through the lens, so to speak, right. <laughs> and and photograph them in a way that someone that just picked up a phone and took a quick candid of them couldn't. So I think that's changed because it's forced photographers to elevate what we do when we create content. And it's made the general population ravenous for content. So I think that's split photographers kind of into two piles, you know, photo photographers who are 
investing in the whole experience and they want to take you from beginning all the way through installing artwork on your walls to the other side of the equation, which is quick, consumable, commodity-based, let me get family photographs every six weeks, (laughs) eight weeks, and just constantly consume them and have something new to post on Instagram. It's, It's just different, different families, different things. But I think that's the biggest thing that's changed in 10 years. Now when, shout out to Scott, shout out to Scott and Helen, your parents. Yes, my parents are amazing. They help with everything. (laughs) Absolutely, they are. Now, when your father first asked you what week you would like to repeat, and you were absolutely decisive in your response, however, you said you didn't know how you could make money off of photography, and and basically turning your your passion into a pursuit that could eventually become a, a career. So did you always have this entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, I remember working for um, a realtor, actually. I was her like client care manager. And I remember watching her run her business. I thought she was one of the sharpest, sweetest, smartest people. And I saw how she ran her business, and there was a part of me that thought like, oh, I could do this. Maybe not real estate, but I could be the person that makes big strategic moves for a business, and I'd love to have the chance to constantly reinvent versus being in a bigger organization where more days are like the day before them. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, I just know that the possibilities are endless. I can open up a whole new branch of photography if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, that's been the biggest change. Although, you know, taking it back to my dad, I think making it as a photographer it's it's still scary um it's entrepreneurship is is terrifying i found as someone said the other day it's like uh it's like riding a lion have you heard this i have not okay so entrepreneurship is like riding a lion so all you're you're riding on the back of a lion and part of you is like oh my gosh i'm amazing i'm riding a lion yeah right and then all your friends are looking at you and they're like she's so cool she rides lions and then sometimes you're like oh my god i'm on a lion yeah yeah (laughs) and sometimes you run the whole circus and sometimes you're like I am strapped to a lion and I can't get off and then I hope this lion doesn't realize it it's probably I hope this lion doesn't turn around and bite me (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so I think that's that's kind of it looks like one thing it is something totally different but you know the having people that believe in you and see things in you that you can't see in yourself I think that is what every entrepreneur needs to to be courageous enough to take it on What's your favorite picture of yourself and what's the memory attached to it? Oh, you know, Justin and I were just talking about this. I went on a trip to London with my mom when I had just graduated college. And it was just the two of us. She was on a business trip. And she went to to a meeting or something during the day and was like, basically, stay at the hotel. Don't leave because she knows I have no sense of direction and I am always lost, (laughs) which is very valid. And this is before you would have had like a GPS on your phone. Like there was no map. So it was MapQuest. It was MapQuest to print the directions. Hoping you went that 77.2 miles I mean, thank goodness everyone there speaks English. Right. So I hop on them. I study the maps at the hotel because I also don't want, I'm like so anxious. I don't want to be the person that has their map out like on the metro or whatever so i hop on the um i hop on the metro and i'm going to the houses of parliament big ben she doesn't know i'm leaving nobody knows where i am i'm totally by myself i get to the houses of parliament and i'm like i know big ben's around here somewhere well stupid me i didn't realize that the um the metro let out under like literally 
under Big Ben. I just had to look oh. up. It was behind me. And there was this moment I had my little, um, do you remember when you could take, get like the disposable cameras? Yeah. And you had to like wind the wheel. Yeah. So I wind my wheel and I took a selfie. I held the, held the camera out and I took a selfie with the Houses of Parliament in the background. My hair's yeah. blowing everywhere. And it's, yeah. first of all, we didn't really take selfies. Because you, you never took a you selfie with a disposable, disposable camera. No, because it's not like you could see what was going to happen. <laughs> and um, I think it's one of my favorite because it was me and it was this feeling of independence and I found it myself and I can be this person and oh my gosh, I'm graduating. And I think it was just all of those feelings. And so I think that's my favorite photograph of myself just myself especially in a foreign land speaking of uncharted territory yeah you're in this whole other place and you're like it's that moment of courage and it was documenting how it felt yeah and i think all successful photography gives you a feeling you know it should make you feel something and i look at that photograph and i remember what it was like to be you know what was i 22 years old and hadn't even met justin came home and met justin like two or three weeks after after that life of big change life of big change change. yeah exactly speaking of big change yeah in my research because i do research okay i came across a tedx talk yes and talking about your crash yeah yeah and in regards to speaking to your crash uh because you know first of all your tedx talk was amazing thank you i appreciate that now, in regards to the crash you encountered, if you don't mind kind of going through that, just yeah. and, and then from there, there's there's quite a number of things I would like to touch on in the aftermath of that. But um, yeah. please take us through what transpired. So I was, um, let's see, it was about five years ago, six years ago, and I was on my way to photograph a wedding in Pinehurst. Um, and I was all dressed up and it, you know, actually I look back, it was a weird day. I was like super anxious and something just fell off and I've learned now that that's a feeling you should pay attention to, yeah. but I was going down 15501 and this girl ran me off the road. And so I kind of hit this, the soft shoulder, like my car got going one direction on the shoulder and I couldn't correct. I kind of thought I could, but I couldn't. And so the car kind of gets going in the mud and it's going at 45 miles an hour and I hit a tree and it literally looked like my car got filleted. Like it looked like it just got sliced down the middle. Um, But for whatever reason it happens and I think, first of all, I think, oh my God, Justin's gonna kill me. (laughs) Because that's everyone's first thought is, oh my God, I've wrecked the car. And you don't quite process how bad it is. So you're conscious through all of this. I'm totally conscious through the whole thing. Um, And then I'm thinking, okay, I've still gotta get there. I'm like, man, my hip really hurts, but I should be able to like limp my way through this. Um, and it's in, sh- you're in shock. I mean, you're just, yeah. you're freak. Well, you know, you're a first responder. So, so I thought, okay, let me get out of the car and see if I can just back up. I don't know why this was my thought. I honestly got thought I could back up off the tree and just keep driving. And so you just lose all perspective of what's logical. And so I went to get out of the car and that's when I realized something was wrong because I couldn't. It's graphic. It's graphic, but I couldn't yeah. move my other leg, and I had to like physically move my leg to keep it with my other part of my body. Yeah, and I f- so I kind of fell out of the door, and the girl kept driving. So she saw me hit the tree and kept driving. Oh my god! And I always say that's on her. She's gonna see that in her. She's not gonna know the rest of her life. Young her. girl. Young girl. I, I can that still see out of fear. Maybe. I probably. I can yeah. still see her ponytail and her sorority sticker. I won't shout out her sorority, but I could still see it in in my mind. Um, 
And so I was laying on the ground in this woodsy, off the side of the road, dirt patch. Um, My legs were kind of up under the car because it was on an angle. And I remember feeling like, I have to get away from the car. Like, what if it blows up? What if it's like, I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't find my phone. I just want my family. And um, actually. You haven't even mentioned really, like you said your hip hurt, but you haven't even gone to. No, because nothing hurt. It was weird. It, It hurt. It's not at all like what you think it is. Really? I think it's like you think, oh my God, you break your light leg. That must be the worst pain of your life. Yeah, I'm thinking no. crippling pain. Mm-mm. But it was shock. So I also felt like I had to, like it was like almost all my senses were too strong. It was like I could smell everything super intense. I could hear everything super intense. I could, I just wanted to like close my eyes to like shut off a, a sense. Yeah. And I swear it wasn't a hallucination, but the first person that got to me was a fully uniformed Boy Scout troop leader. Oh, I kid you not. They're always so And it was help. like, of course he's right there. I guess there's a Boy Scout <laughs> camp like close by. And so he got out and he was trying to like give me water, but I didn't want to drink water. And I was thinking like, also, I think you're not supposed to drink water. Like, what are they about to do to me? I don't think you should take in liquids. Um, and it's like WebMD. Yeah, I was like, logic. And, the, and the, the horn was blasting and the, you know, the those classical music still playing on the radio. It's, it's just this oh, really wow. weird surreal situation and the firefighters came up and they had to pull me from the ditch and I'm like apologizing to them I'm like I'm so sorry thank you guys so much for your help Um, and I'm crying and I'm begging somebody to call Justin and this like hillbilly guy pulls out his Nokia and he's like I'm gonna I'll call him and he gives him like, oh, we're just down past the old prison. She seems like she's going to be all right. And Justin's like, I don't know where the old prison is. What hosp- What county yeah. are you in? Yeah. Um, and so I end up in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. They're like cutting my clothes off of me on the side of the road, which is very humbling because I was very dressed for the wedding. So I had yeah. on like my Spanx. Yeah. Do you know, do guys know what Spanx are? We know. You we just never have it. <laughs> you could ever wear them no. as far as me so, fitting into Spanx. I don't know. How no, it was ridiculous. That. And so it's, there's so many stories from it. There's so many like little hints of memories. I think yeah. the, the worst feeling was how alone it felt. Like everybody's staring at you. You're literally never alone. Right. There's right. never a minute you're by yourself ever. There was not a moment there wasn't a nurse in the room with me or somebody on the truck with me or whatever. But you feel like... Because they're just treating. They're just treating you. They're asking you questions. You're begging for them to call your mom or your husband or your whatever. But they have their checklist they have to get through. Yeah. And, and I think that to me is one of those life lessons of... When anybody's in a really tough situation, you can feel like all eyes are on you, but you're just a problem for people to address. And it's almost like you as the person gets lost in the problem. Yeah. And I think that that was a reminder of how literally everybody can be looking at you and you can feel like you're by yourself. And Right. Because at that moment, yeah. they're just trying to diagnose. Just trying to diagnose and fix and find what's wrong and make sure that they're not missing anything that they can't see. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember Justin coming down the hall and I remember him coming in and you're in a neck brace and you're just staring at the ceiling. So literally people yeah. have to lean into your perspective. So you're not even seeing people, you know, they're there, but no, unless they lean over, you don't see them. Yeah. 
And I remember him looking at me and I remember saying to him, I need you to hold it together. (laughs) I need you to not lose it. You know, in marriage, only one person can lose it at a time. (laughs) One at a time. I need you to not lose it because I'm, by the way, supposed to be at this rehearsal dinner for this wedding right now. I'm sure they're wondering where I am. Yeah. They're probably stressed out. I need you to call. I need you to find another photographer. I need you to find the bride. I need you to get into my email. Like, it was this... That's why I'm not a wedding photographer anymore. (laughs) You should never be in a situation where you have to turn down morphine to, like, make sure you don't ruin someone's wedding day. (laughs) Right? Like... Look at that entrepreneurial mind. The show must go on. The show must go on. So I was in the hospital for um, about a week and a half, and then I had about a week of rehab. Um, still in the hospital, inpatient rehab, but yeah. learning to walk again, essentially, because yeah. I broke my femur in three places and my thumb, and, you know, I just had bruises everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn. I mean, they did surgery the next day, and I had to learn to walk again. It was crazy. And, crazy. and on that note, I do want to encourage everybody to look up your TEDx talk regarding your crash. Yeah, thank you. I do want to talk about once literally and figuratively you are back on your feet yeah what does air quotes normal yeah what what's now normal after going through such a traumatic experience oh, that's a good question i think um one of the one of the silliest seeming but hardest parts of it was i had left my office that day to go photograph the wedding mm-hmm. and i left a like a half drink Diet Mountain Dew can on my desk. Right. And it was still there when I went back six months later. So I come back six months later. This is this half drunk can of Diet Mountain Dew. Mm. And I see this can and I just lose it. Now I have not really cried this whole time, but this yeah. Diet Mountain Dew can just puts me over. I can still see what it looked like. Yeah. And it was this feeling of like that person who started the soda not, is not there anymore. Yes. And you don't really get to ever be sad for the person you're not anymore because you don't know who you are yet. So it's a really weird, disorienting. I'm I'm not only physically not that person anymore. I am fundamentally changed. Um, and I think one of the biggest changes out of that was I am. Uh, I'm so much less concerned with what people think. Yeah. Uh, because I got so close to losing everything that it just gives this whole life perspective. Like, yeah, embarrassing things still happen to me, but it's not more embarrassing than having your spanks cut off of you on the side of the road, (laughs) right? So it's just a perspective thing. It's like, okay, well, I got through that, so this isn't worse than that. And so it's like I have this really ridiculously high threshold for what I can tolerate because I know what I've already gotten through and nothing can even come close to how hard that was. So it's like, okay, yeah, I've got to make a different, difficult client phone call. Okay, well, that's not worse than this other thing. And I think it gave perspective to how quick Mm. things can change. Um, And that's one of those things with photography. You know, if if you're not allowing yourself to be photographed professionally or otherwise, then you're not showing up in your own life. Like you're not actually appearing in the evidence of your life. And I think I had always been someone who avoided the camera um, or always made a silly face. Not like my real face, but just like a, oh, I'm being silly. More or less a caricature. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. And so I think it made me feel like 
wow, my family's got to remember what it's like to have me in it. And that's what my mom said when, when, um, after the accident, she said, I'm so glad we're still a whole family. Yeah. And I was like, man, there's a whole lot of people walking around without whole families because you lose one member or another or something happens or something tragic. And how nice if you have a whole family to photograph a whole family. Absolutely. And it's, it's crazy. And it's, you know, you wrote a piece actually in mm-hmm. regards to being in front of the camera. I and did, I did. I mean, for myself, as somebody who... It's interesting when internally I see myself in a certain way yeah. that I feel like I could be affable. I feel like I could be charismatic yeah. and control the pulse of the room. But if you put a camera in that room, yeah. immediately all that goes away. Yeah. You become this of, like caricature, like you said. Right. Because now it's, okay, how is this person seeing me? That yeah. person seeing me. When you wrote that piece, yeah. if you don't mind giving the title to it so people can, can look it up, what... What were you going through internally that finally brought you to that point that said, you know what, I'm not going to second guess this anymore and just enjoy life and be me? Yeah. So the um, the piece is called So You're Feeling Too Fat to be Photographed. Okay. And I really wrote it just for clients who were regularly like, oh, I just need to lose 15 pounds yeah. and then I'll let you photograph me. Yeah. And I think it's because photographs are, are so permanent. And they're so undeniable. You know, you look in the mirror and you can move and change your body and be like, okay, passable, and you move on. Mm-hmm. But a photograph is still and it's permanent and it's something that you can pick apart and analyze it. And I think for me, it was seeing photographs as not something that I'm doing for myself, it's something that I'm doing for the people who see me every day and love me. I'm Justin Porter's person. Like I'm his person on earth, mm-hmm. right? I am Scott and Helen Smith's favorite slash only daughter, <laughs> right? And so I'm not getting in a photograph for me to show the world how good I look. I'm getting in a photograph because I'm Helen and Scott's favorite daughter, only daughter. You know, I am their person. I am in this photograph because I'm Cece's mom and she deserves to have photographs with her parents. Um, and I think that sometimes we lose that piece. We, we lose that in our own vanity and our own fear of recognizing what we really look like. You know, it's like people, this is what you look like all the time. Everybody who loves you sees you all the time and that's what they see. Why is it so different to photograph it? But it, it, it does feel that way. And so I think the, so you're feeling too fat to be photographed was fine. So you're feeling too fat to be photographed. Okay, that's okay. Do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. Yeah. And um, and the people who love you are only going to see the person that they love. And they see you every day anyway. No yeah. one's shocked yeah. <laughs> at what you look like. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's um, that definitely came out of the car accident. That came out of my mom saying, you know, I'm glad we're a whole family. Because I started thinking, wow, what if there was a family photograph with just my parents and my little brother and... Justin and I'm not in it you know and that could be any member of your family absolutely do you have any photographs of your of your parent either one of your parents or photographs of my parents I will tell you I have one poignant photo and it's one I believe it might be the only one of myself with my mom and dad yeah and I am about Kaylee's age my daughter's one um 
we're still in Sacramento, and in this picture, my mom's looking right at the camera, smiling. I believe my dad's looking at the camera, giving a faint smile. It was one of those set it up on the tripod. Yeah, and you got like thirty seconds. Yeah, run in into place. And in that picture, I'm kind of looking. I'm looking at one of my parents. I want to say in the picture, I'm looking at my dad. Okay. And I remember when I was a child coming across this picture and asking my mom, you know, what's the story about this? Because she was like, this is actually one of the only pictures of the three of us. And right before that picture was taken, your dad and I got into an argument. Yeah. I actually was crying. So if you notice in the picture, I'm smiling, but my eyes are like red and watery. Yeah. And I'm looking at my dad in the picture because I'm looking like, why are you just yelling? Yeah. And so it's one of those things where you see this picture. Yeah. But the memory attached to it is skewed. It's not what meets the eye. Right. And and it's interesting because, you know, as you were going through why you wrote the piece you wrote, there's so many photographs of myself as a child I threw away. Yeah. And it was because the permanence of it. Yeah. Yeah. Of whatever I was feeling in the moment that picture was taken or the permanence of the fact that forever when I look at this picture, I'm going to see myself looking like X. Yeah. Um, It's difficult for me. Yeah. So instead of me actually dealing with it. Yeah. I got rid of it. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that so much of my dealing with. Yeah. In my younger years was just destroying it. it. Yeah. As opposed to actually dealing with it. Dealing with it. And, um, you know, and that's what I've really appreciated about our friendship. I mean, of course, our families are extremely close. But what I appreciate in regards to our relationship and why I call you my sister is because it's really helped me as I've gotten older and thought about a lot of things that I struggle with to see somebody look at me and say, it's it's not that bad. Yeah. It's okay. Because yeah. you really do a good job, I will say, of reading a room, but especially reading those who are coming in specifically to <laughs> yeah. you. You do an absolutely like it's phenomenal fine. job of disarming them and making them feel comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. And I will say, at least in the last four or five years that you and I have gotten particularly close, the times that I've felt most comfortable in my own skin have been those times that I'm around you. Whether yeah. pictures are involved or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, first and foremost, thank you. That's a nice to thing that. to hear. Yeah. But but now as you begin this new endeavor of publicly speaking, yeah. I mean, it's not just through photography that you're impacting lives and have the ability the to change thing. them. So what is it about public speaking that, that really interests you? So let me, t- I want to hit on something that you said. So sure. you talked about your, um, your photographs mm-hmm. and how you would almost, almost like the coping mechanism was destroy rather than deal, yeah. which is normal, like yeah. developmentally and otherwise. But, um, one of the things that happened in my car accident is, so you would imagine, so you break your femur and you you probably already know all these things, but you break your femur and, um, you go in for surgery and they say, we're going to put a metal rod in. So you go, okay. So you kind of think like they're going to take all the little broken bits and pieces out and then they'll put the metal rod in and some screws and whatever, and I'll be back to, I mean, I'll heal from yeah. that point. Um, but the doctor told me, and this is like the be- this is the best message of my entire life. The doctor told me he wouldn't remove the broken pieces. 
that the broken pieces of bone from my car accident were going to stay in my body for the rest of my life. And that the reason physicians leave them in there is because the new bone needs something to grow around. And so while our instinct as people is when something really hard happens, whether it's a something like you don't like the way you felt or you looked or this is a memory of that awkward year of middle school or or a car crash or a bad breakup or a whatever um our tendency is to want to just wipe it away and pretend it didn't ever happen like remove all the broken pieces build something new move on and actually we need the brokenness which is crazy when you think about it you need the brokenness as the foundation for the new thing to grow around. So if you don't have the broken pieces, you cannot heal. Yeah. And that's like, that's my Oprah aha moment, right? Yeah. That's my snaps. That's my soul Sunday. Yeah. Because that's yeah. that's crazy. So like, you know, and that applies to photography, that applies to business, that applies to relationships. And I think that's why I've started thinking about, you know, putting all of those pieces, so to speak, together into public speaking. And it relates to your story. It's it's this tendency we all have to pretend bad things didn't happen mm-hmm. versus to use that to acknowledge the broken pieces and literally build around it. And that bone, the bone in my right leg, is significantly stronger than the bone in my left leg. It's actually like two times bigger, too, because the broken pieces were there and the new bone grew around it. So actually, it would be statistically so much harder for me to break my right leg which is the one that I broke, then my left leg. Because it's a thicker, stronger bone because the broken pieces were still in there and the new grew around it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, I think that is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And it I think is. that's a message we all need to hear because we get so we get so in, in the mode of shoving it down mm-hmm. and pretending it doesn't exist and pretending it doesn't exist. And rather than just being like, hey, guess what? They cut my spanks off of me on the side of the road. Yeah, where's yeah. spanks? You know, like, yeah. yeah, the broken pieces are in there and I had a horrible car accident and I'm going to have a little limp. Yeah. I like to call it a swagger, but <laughs> a limp. Um, anyway, so I thought that that's just a, I think that the drive to share that message, you know, when I'm one-on-one doing a photography session, my goal is that you feel so amazing that you almost get the memory with the photographs. Yeah. Like you remember how great you felt and you have amazing photographs of that day you felt really great. Um, and so I think I can use photography in that way, but with public speaking, you can reach so many more people. I can only photograph so many people and give them that experience. But I feel like public speaking is something that's important because I can give you a one-on-one portrait experience where you feel good about yourself and you have photographs of it. But if I can take that message to a bigger audience and just reach more people, I think in business and in our personal lives, it's, I had the crash. Nobody else is going to have it. Let me help you learn the same lessons I learned as much as possible. And I think so much now is recognizing what that brokenness is for. Yeah. I think for, and, and I didn't get an opportunity to touch on this with my, my previous guest, uh, Matt Michael, but in regards to those moments of brokenness and, and understanding that if your mission is something greater than what you're doing, mm-hmm. those moments of brokenness, not only will they grow back stronger and help you and yeah. reinforce you even more, but also it's utilized as testimony to be able to help fortify somebody else. Yeah. And so it actually has a, 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 I would say, a double 
beneficial reaction or however you would want to properly articulate that. But, yeah. you know, not only are you going to come back stronger from that, but right. also it has the potential to be able to help fill whatever void there might be for somebody else who's, who's needing that strength. And, and needing that message. So as you now begin this endeavor of public speaking, how do you, where does this start? Where does this begin? What are you going to be doing? Yeah, um, I think we're just kind of getting the legs under it right okay. now. So I finally um, kind of separated myself from my photography brand okay. so that it's TeresaPorter.com, not just my friend Teresa, okay. um, just to separate the two pieces. Mm-hmm. It's telling everybody that I'm available, that I have a message I want to share. I'm refining it right now um, so that it can reach a more corporate or a more global audience down the road. So the goal is for the next couple quarters to just speak to as many people um, as often as possible with the message and refine it so that I can learn from other people what what they most needed, what they most took away from it. So it's not the Teresa show. It's... You know, not everybody had a crash, but everybody has some version of something like that. Absolutely. Um, so just to reach as many people as possible. Now, are you going to be documenting this? Is this going to be available yeah. to those who spend the coin to come hear you speak? <laughs> I think maybe at some point. I think yeah. so. So for right now, it will be, um, you know, networking events, local things, women's groups. Um, I definitely have my TEDx online. Um, and then it will become something I think a little bit more than that. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a refining. It's the five year. I'm always on the five year, ten year plan. So I'm just yeah. executing year one, day one of the yeah. five year plan for that piece. So Absolutely. We'll see where it goes. So have you? Do you feel like you found your mission? Yeah, I feel like I um, I have found a way somehow, and I feel so lucky to take all these pieces of who I've always been mm-hmm. and. Um, use them in a different way. And I don't know that I would have graduated high school and ever imagined that this is what I'd be doing, mm-hmm. but it makes perfect sense. And I, I, I'm excited to work every day. So how lucky am I? <laughs> That's I, unusual. <laughs> I am so excited for you. Thanks, friend. And I am, I am grateful for whatever insight into the journey that I may be privy to. Yeah. But I am so excited not just for you in this new endeavor that has really, I can see the spark yeah. in regards yeah. to your excitement, but also who the, who stands to benefit from this. Yeah. And, you know, even that's why, you know, listeners, for all the ambient noise that you heard between the train and the phone ring <laughs> that's true. and the footsteps, please bear with us because I absolutely felt like this message was, was something that could be you know something you could take away and benefit from and be you know it could just be that dose of positivity that i think we all could use at any point in time and um you know as you continue to get out there and, and speak and whatever endeavors you have you always have a home here to be able to share and you know for those who are wanting to get in touch with our friend Teresa will be the best <laughs> means of doing so. Um, so our website is myfriendteresa.com and it's T-E-R-E-S-A. And you can also find us on Instagram or the Instapoodle um, or stop by in downtown Cary. Um, and other than that, you know, we're kind of always around somewhere Absolutely. doing something. And chances are, if you don't see me, you've seen my crazy husband. 
And we will have him <laughs> on here, I'm sure, very soon. Well, so. I think this is what's great about your podcast is all the different kinds of people that you're getting to bring together. And uh, you're a good host. Good well, job, friend. You. I appreciate <laughs> that. And guys, thank you again for tuning in, listening on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and comment. We appreciate any and all engagement and input. And as always, be good to one another. Peace. I do not buy dreams. I sell them.